0: Well, I'm excited for this series. We're going to jump in. I'm going to lay some groundwork uh, today, just kind of the direction of this series as we talk about bounce back, bounce back. Good advice for a bad day. And I do want to thank Pastor Rick Warren and Chris Hodges and Jack Hayford for some great material as I have been studying for this series How many of you would agree with me that we all have bad days? Okay, for the 22 of you that are with me already, I said, how many of you agree with me that we all have bad days? Come on. They are unavoidable. I've had a lot of bad days in my life. Uh, When I was sexually abused as a teenager, it it was bad days for those months that that transpired. My sophomore year of high school when I snuck out the house to stay out late on prom night. And as I was driving back by the house, my ride was dropping me off at the house and we pulled up and every light in the house was on. And I got caught. It was a bad day. It's a really bad day when I broke up with my college Girlfriend, it was a bad day. The day I got a call from my sister that let me know that my mother had suddenly passed away and died. It was, a, it was a bad day. When my son lost 20 pounds and we didn't know why he was so sick, it was a bad day. When I got a phone call that my older brother, who I, who I shared a room with, all of my growing up life, Scotty had had suddenly died. It was a bad day. The day I found out that a close friend betrayed me and lied to me. It was a bad day. The trip to Boston, Massachusetts with Tiffany when we spent a night almost arguing all night long, me and my wife. It was a bad day. We all have Bad days. Bad days are unavoidable. And I I wonder, have you recently had a bad day? Maybe you got diagnosed with a disease, or you wrecked your car, or you found out some painful or devastating news, it's been a bad day, or one of your children is struggling with friendship, or struggling in school, or one of your children is spiraling out of control, bad days, you, you got laid off from work, or you're having challenges in your business, or your employer or employees are very difficult to work with or perhaps a loved one has recently passed away and it's been a lot of bad days. Maybe you made a stupid decision that you regret or you were recently served divorce papers or maybe you have lost thousands of dollars in the stock market or, or you made a bad business deal. You invested in something and lost thousands of dollars or, or just filed bankruptcy. The truth is we all have bad days. Understand this. No matter how much you love God, no matter how much you pray, How much you read your Bible, how much you worship, you will have bad days. And I've seen a lot of Christ followers struggle with their faith in God when they go through bad days. And a lot of people struggle because they believe that bad, that bad days must mean that God's not real, or bad days must mean God's not God doesn't love me, or bad days must mean God's not with me, he's not for me, and none of those things are true. Let me say something to you, when you go through a bad day or a bad season, can I tell you, God is still good, and God is still for you, even on your worst day ever. You see, bad days are a part of living in a fallen world. And what I want to help you with throughout this series, and I want you to understand, is that you can bounce back from bad days if you know how to respond to bad days. You see, wrong responses to a bad day can turn into a bad week, can turn into a bad month, can turn into a bad year. Wrong responses to a bad day can turn into a bad decade, even to a bad life. We've got to learn the right responses to a bad day. And what's the major struggle for most people is when we grow up and go to school. Some of you are still in school. We, we learn in school. We, we learn a lot. They teach us mathematics. They teach us science. They, Teach us English growing up as a little kid. Maybe you learn T-ball. They, they taught you softball or they taught you baseball or you learn basketball. They taught you how to play the piano. And we learn a lot of different skills growing up in life. But a lot of people go all the way through their growing up years and never learn how to respond to a bad day. And a lot of us learn by just watching our parents, watching our grandparents, watching family members, watching friends and we watched how they responded to a bad day. We saw them scream and cuss and fuss and argue and anxiety turned to the bottle, turned to the pills, turned to the drug, turned to the food, turned to being severely depressed. We watched how they respond and they suffered physically and mentally and emotionally when they suffered bad days. And so our model, what we learned is watching everybody else and how they respond to bad days and throughout this series here's my goal i want to set right up front here's my goal is i want all of us to learn the right ways to respond to bad days because if we respond the right way we can bounce back no matter how bad the day has been and we're going to teach you some tools to help you bounce back from bad days. And I think the best person to learn from when it comes to bad days is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, he had one of the worst days ever recorded in human history. It was about a 12 hour period and Jesus experienced horrible things. He went through some horrific situations. Jesus is more than qualified to help us on our bad days. Can I tell you that Jesus Christ in that 12-hour period leading up to him dying on the cross of Calvary, that 12-hour period, Jesus experienced betrayal. You see, when Jesus started his public ministry, he handpicked 12 disciples, and Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, betrayed him. He he sold Jesus out. He helped Jesus get arrested. In Mark chapter number 14 and in the other gospels, if you're new to church, you're new to being a Christ follower, you're checking out the claims of Christ. When I say the gospels, I'm talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And and, and the Bible says in Matthew 14 and the other gospels, it talks about how Judas betrayed Jesus to the chief priests for 30 years pieces of silver he sold out his friend he sold out the man who had given three and a half years of his life mentoring him pouring into him having relationship with him Judas traveled with Jesus he lived with Jesus and for 30 pieces of silver he betrayed his own friend some of you have experienced this you were close to someone you loved them you spent time with them And they betrayed you. And how many of you would agree with me that betrayal, it hurts. It's it's painful. And Jesus knows this firsthand. Jesus not only did experience betrayal, he experienced false Accusations, And in Mark chapter number 14 and in the other gospels, we read how people falsely accused Jesus for things he never did and for things he never said. Matter of fact, it's so interesting as you study the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, that Jesus went on three different trials in that 12 hour period in front of two different kings and people lined up to lie on Jesus. They literally paid people to lie about Jesus. They made up accusations accusations because they wanted to find Jesus guilty of something so they could crucify him and I think all of us know what it is to be falsely accused come on anybody ever been lied on before (laughs) we all know what it is to be lied on or talked about you live long enough somebody's gonna talk about you somebody's gonna put something on social media about you that's not true somebody's gonna spread rumors about you gonna spread half truths about you and the old saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's not true. You can be deeply hurt by false accusations and things people say about you that you never did and you never said. Jesus, he also experienced rejection. And in Mark chapter 14, verse 50, verse fifty, it says, everyone deserted Jesus. Wow, all of Jesus' followers left him. Even his 12 disciples, scripture says 11 of them left him during that 12-hour period. And the one disciple that followed Jesus, Peter, he followed Jesus from a distance. The Bible says he denied Jesus three times. Rejection is painful, especially when it's somebody that you deeply love. Somebody you deeply care about, a close friend, and maybe you have experienced rejection. You've been abandoned by a parent, a spouse, a friend, and it's a horrible feeling when you have been rejected. And abandoned. And Jesus knows that feeling. Jesus also experienced abuse. And in Mark chapter 15 and chapter five, for the chapter 14 and chapter 15, and also in the other gospels, it talks about how Jesus was severely abused. And I want you to get this picture in your mind. I want it to be vivid in your mind. Jesus was beaten. He, he, he was sinless. He done nothing wrong to anybody, but yet he was beaten. He was whipped. He was flogged, but he wasn't just physically abused. He was also mocked. They spit in Jesus's face. They blindfolded him. They jabbed him. They knocked him upside of his head with sticks saying, if you're the son of God, we'll prophesy and tell us which one hit you upside your head. They abused jesus so badly that the book of isaiah says he was beyond recognition not even his own mama could recognize him because his head and his face was so swollen his body was torn into pieces being abused physically mentally spiritually or emotionally is is horrible it's painful it can leave you wounded and some of you find yourself there today you find yourself wounded and angry confused mad bitter because of abuse and jesus also experienced humiliation they did all of these things to Jesus and one of the reasons was to humiliate him they stripped him of his clothes and, and not only did they strip him of his clothes the Bible says they ended up selling his clothes and you study history oftentimes, when they crucif- crucified somebody on the cross that they, they did it while the person was naked to shame them Jesus was probably naked at times during this 12 hour period and crucifying him I mean Jesus was they were trying to humiliate him they mocked him they spit in his Face. Here's what I want you to understand today Jesus understands what you're going through. No matter what. You pray to Jesus. Jesus understands what you're experiencing. Jesus understands the pain. He understands what it is to be rejected. He's under the feelings of hurt and abandonment. He understands what it is to be betrayed and abused and rejected and humiliated. And not only all of that, then they took Jesus and they nailed him on a cross. And they crucified our Lord and Savior. And somebody needs to understand this today. Jesus went through his worst day so he could help you overcome your worst day. I said it again. Jesus went through his worst day so he could help you overcome your worst day. And I want you to notice the first words that Jesus said on the cross. He he teaches us how to respond to bad days. And throughout this series, we're we're going to study Jesus had this 12-hour period of horrific abuse and humiliation and rejection and abandonment. And then he gets on the cross and, and they're going to crucify Jesus. And after a horrible, bad day, Jesus says seven statements on the cross on his worst day ever. And from these seven statements, we're going to learn some good advice on a bad day and how we need to respond on our worst day ever. Because if we respond the wrong way, a bad day can turn into a bad week, lead to a bad month, a bad year, a bad decade, and even a bad life. And today, I want you to notice the very first words Jesus says when they hung him on that cross on that very bad day. Luke 23 and verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they Are doing don't miss this church. The first thing Jesus did was to pray a prayer of forgiveness to bounce back from a bad day. The first thing you have to do right out the gate on a bad day. The first thing you have to do is to forgive all those who hurt you. And I know what some of you are thinking pastor you got to be kidding me. You have no clue what they did to me. You have no idea how they hurt me. There's no way I can forgive them. And so many people don't forgive those who hurt them because they have a wrong understanding of forgiveness. You see, there's a lot of things that people think forgiveness is that it's not. And I meet a lot of people Who don't forgive because they don't understand what forgiveness really is. Let me just quickly give you four things forgiveness is not. Four things forgiveness is not. This is holding some of you back from forgiving others. Here's the first one. Forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of what they did. Here's what people think. They think, well, if I forgive the person, then what I'm saying is what they did is okay. Or what I'm saying is, is what they did is not that big of a deal. That's not true. You won't find in the Bible, nor God, nor forgiveness that says you have to pretend like what the person did to you wasn't that big of a deal. No, 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 no. What happened to some of you was a big deal. Not all of you. Because there are some people that I'm preaching to, you make everything a big deal. But for some of you, what they did to you It was a big deal it was huge it was massive it was it was painful and forgiveness is not excusing the other person's behavior or making light of their behavior that's not what it is let me give you a second thing forgiveness is not forgiveness is not reconciliation Forgiveness doesn't mean you have to go to the other person and begin a relationship again. You see, there would be a different set of messages I would have to teach you on how to reconcile or how to restore a relationship. That's not my assignment today. That's for another Sunday about how do you restore, how do you reconcile a relationship. But forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. Reconciliation is a two-player game. You have to have the other person's cooperation to be able to reconcile a relationship. And there's not all, that's not always a possibility that both people involved want to reconcile a relationship. Understand something about forgiveness. Forgiveness is a one-player game. It's between you and God, not between you and them. It's what you decide regardless of what the other person does. You see, you don't have to wait for the other person to tell you they're sorry to forgive. You don't have to wait for the other person to acknowledge. Let me tell you all that I did to you. No, you don't have to do that to be able to forgive the other person because that may never happen. They may never say they're sorry. They may never acknowledge what they did. Jesus said, Father, forgive. He's on the cross. He's being crucified. He's being flogged, but he prayed, Jesus. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for, the day, for they do not know what they are doing. See, you have to forgive even while the other person is acting like a fool. God, I release them to you. They're actually acting like a fool, but I, I forgive them. I'm going to let this go. It's not about reconciliation. Forgiveness is not about restoring trust. Forgiveness is, is not resuming the relationship without changes. Forgiveness is between you and God. God, for four things, forgiveness is not number three. Is this forgiveness is not about doing what's fair? There are some people that go, I, I just, I just cannot forgive because, because it, you know, if, if I forgive them, I, then I'm saying that what they did is, is, is fair. I, you know, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm doing what's fair, and it's, it's, this is not fair. What they did to me, if I forgive them, I'm, I'm just basically, I'm basically making it look like what happened was fair, and I, I just want you to understand that's just a wrong thinking about forgiveness. People think I can't forgive because it's just not fair. And forgiveness is not about giving a person what they deserve. It's giving a person what they need. And most importantly, it's giving you what you need. And none of us, come on church, let's be honest. None of us want what's fair. Come on, none of us want what's fair. If we got what's fair, then we all have to pay the penalty for our own sins. Suffer the consequences of our own sin in a place called hell. I thank God that, that God doesn't equate forgiveness with fairness. I thank God for his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. Come on, can we take 10 seconds and give God praise? That he doesn't play fair, but he forgives us. Come on, can you thank God for grace? Can you thank God for mercy? Can you thank God that he throws our sin as far as the east as from the west? Come on, you can do better than that, would you? Thank God for grace and for mercy. And I just want us to understand forgiveness is not about fairness. And here's the fourth, and that is forgiveness is not impossible. People believe that forgiveness is not impossible. And, and that sneaky devil has told some of you, you can't forgive that person. Right, right now, the devil's whispering in your ear. He's convinced some of you. Oh, yeah, this is a good message, but it's not for you. Because what they did to you, I mean, if the pastor really knew, he would, he, he, you would be excluded from this message. Because and the devil, he'll convince you. You can't forgive. The offense is is way too big. The pain they caused you was so horrific. It's impossible for you to forgive them. And I want you just to listen to this scripture in God's word in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. It's a very famous scripture. It says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength in our own strength we can't do a whole lot in our own strength we can't forgive but with god's strength we can forgive no matter what the person has done to us. We really need the strength of God. We need the help of the Holy Spirit because there are some people throughout my life I did not want to forgive. I did not like them. I hated them. I was bitter. But can I tell you by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the strength of God, we can forgive every single person who hurt us. We need the strength of God. And this is so important, this subject of forgiveness. It was the first thing, the first step that Jesus took on the cross was, Father, forgive them. And when you and I are facing a bad day, when somebody has hurt us, the first step, the first thing to do is to pray a prayer of forgiveness and release it to God to forgive This is so important to Jesus that he includes it in the Lord's Prayer. It's in the everyday prayer. It's in the model prayer. In Matthew 6, verse 12, Jesus said, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us every day. And especially on bad days, we've got to pray a prayer of forgiveness. We have to release all the hurt and release all the pain to our heavenly father. Every person who hurt us, every person who offended us, every person who has bothered us, we have to give it to our heavenly father. In church, I, I don't think we can hear a message like this enough. I think I could preach a message like this every other week. Because how many of you would agree we live in a world where people are constantly hurt, constantly offended, constantly bothered? Big things, but even small things. Some of you were bothered today driving to church. Just just, just, just mad. Took the person's license plate down. Like I'm just, just mad. Come on. Some of you is mad getting called for your church. Mm, you cut me. I know you cut me. You, you knew I was trying to. Just, just constantly hurt, constantly offended, constantly bothered by others. And if you don't practice forgiveness for everyone who hurt you, a bad day will turn into bad weeks, months, years, decades. We have to forgive those who hurt us. And the question is, how do we do this? How do we forgive those who hurt us? I want us to look at four forgiveness lessons from Jesus. And I want us to really learn how to forgive because it's not always easy. And we're going to look at the Gospels again today, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to really learn these lessons from the words of Jesus on how to forgive someone who deeply hurt us. Number one is this, pray for them. Just just let's look in the Gospels, Luke chapter 6, verse 28. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray, pray for those who persecute you. Pray for the person who hurt you. And some of you are like, oh, good. I I got this one covered, pastor. I've been praying for them. Lord, burn their house down. I've been praying. I've been praying. Lord, I pray all four of their tires go flat at the same time. I've been praying. Lord, I pray they get cockroaches, big ones, all up in their nose, Lord. Just let it crawl all on their face while they're sleeping, Lord. No, no, not those kind of prayers. Listen, Jesus wants to help us. If you're going to live a life of forgiveness, you have to learn how to pray for those who hurt you. You got to learn just to pray, Lord, I ask that you would touch them today. I ask that you would change their heart and their life. God, I pray that you would do a work on the inside of them. And you may never see them change, but if you pray prayers like this, you will see you change. It's impossible to keep hating somebody you keep praying for. And if you just you got to pray, you got to pray for them. You got to pray. You got you got to pray for them. You got to pray. You will never know the power of this until you do it. You'll never know the power until you start praying, until you start praying, until you, you start praying for them. Jesus didn't stop there. He took it up another notch and he teaches us how to live a life of forgiveness. First, he says, pray for them. Number two, he says, bless them. I promise I don't have a trick Bible. It's in yours as well. I want you to show it to you. Luke chapter 6 and verse 28, bless those who curse you. Romans 12 verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. One of the meaning, meanings of the word bless is to speak well of. That means I will not let a curse come out of my mouth about the person who hurt me both privately and publicly. I will not speak a curse over their life. Instead, I will speak well of my enemy. I will bless those who persecute me. I will bless and not curse. Church, here's what I've learned. Here's Personally, here's what I've learned about forgiveness. It takes an act of your mind before it's an act of your emotions. Your emotions will not feel like praying for them. Your emotions will not feel like blessing them. Your emotions will tell you to retaliate. Your emotions will tell you to curse them. And I just want to help you really learn how to forgive and move on. Don't let your feelings keep you from forgiving. Even when you don't feel like it, pray for them and speak blessings instead of curses. If you do this eventually, if you will do this eventually, it will go from your mind and get into your emotions. I know this personally. I have been hurt, abused, betrayed. I've experienced deep, deep pain. And I'm just being honest. I was bitter at times. Angry. Hostile, retaliating, speaking evil. I and mean, you know what I really learned is when I did not feel like it, because my feelings were saying, just keep talking bad about them. And I had to learn to pray and give it to God. I had to quit cursing and start speaking blessings even when I didn't feel like it, just speaking life and speaking blessings. And you know what happened as I began to follow this in my own life? It wasn't a day, it wasn't even two, it wasn't even a week or two. I just had to keep practicing it. But as I kept... Praying as I kept speaking blessings, can I tell you, it went from my head to my heart. And the next thing you know, the bitterness stopped and, and, and the hatred stopped. And I, I just, things started to shift in my life as I can just truly begin to give it to the Lord. You got to pray for them. You got to bless them. Let me give you what Jesus says because he just takes it up another notch. This is what your Bible says. Number three is this, do good to them. Do good to them. It's quiet in this church today. (laughs) Let let me just read you what your Bible says in Luke chapter 6, verse 27, the words of Jesus. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Luke 6, verse 35 and 36, but love your enemies, do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the most high. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Paul, Apostle Paul, says in Romans 12, verse 17 through 21, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will keep burning coals on his head. Verse 21, do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Joyce Myers, many of you would be familiar with her name and her ministry. She shared her testimony And she said, when I grew up as a little girl, I was raped over 200 times by my dad. And she remembers it vividly. And of course, she grew up as an adult and started a very powerful worldwide ministry. And as she was ministering, her father was not serving the Lord, never acknowledged that he had raped his own daughter. But God spoke to Joyce and said, I want you to start doing good to your parents. Their relationship was estranged and it was struggling and she decided I'm going I'm to do good to them. So she started providing for them monetarily and she started paying house payments and, and paying for insurance, buying groceries, taking care of them. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to her. And said, Joyce, I want you to build a home for your parents right next door to you. Her father still has not, is not serving the Lord. He's, he's never acknowledged what he's done. He's never said he was sorry. But she obeyed God and built that house next to her. And she took care of her parents. And never once did he say he was sorry or acknowledge raping her over 200 times. And on his deathbed. Joyce says her father looked at him when at her when she when he was about to die. And he said, honey, I'm sorry for what I did to you. I'm sorry for what I did to you. And on his deathbed, he gave his heart and his life to Jesus Christ. That's what it looks like to do good to those hurt you. I don't know how that applies to your life. But I want you to see what forgiveness looks like. Number four is this. Number four is this. This is huge. You ought to write this one down really big. Start and circle it. Do good to you. Do good to you. We said do good to them. Do good to you. Do good to you. How do you overcome forgiveness? How do you forgive? Do good to you, Matthew chapter 6, back in the gospel, verse 14 and verse 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you don't forgive others, you only hurt yourself. So people's church, do good to you and forgive others. Forgiveness is not a gift you give others. Forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. When you forgive, you will receive God's forgiveness. When you forgive, you will have the weight and the burden of unforgiveness and bitterness and hate lifted off your shoulders. When you forgive, you will be able to move forward in life and quit living in the rearview mirror. When you forgive, you'll be able to live out God's plan and purposes for your life. You can't face what's happening today if you don't settle what happened yesterday. You have to settle the pain of yesterday so you don't miss the promises of today. Don't let the pain of the past rob you of God's promises for today. Forgiveness will not change the past, but forgiveness will change your future. Do good to you. Do good to you. I wonder where my life would be today if I would have held on to the bitterness and the hate and the unforgiveness. I wonder what my marriage would be like if I didn't let it go because I was bitter. I was angry. I was abused. I was done wrong. It was not right. I wonder if I'd be pastoring people's church today. If I was drinking the poison of bitterness. I wonder if I would be experiencing the promises of God. The blessings of God. If I didn't forgive, it wasn't easy. But I forgave every person who hurt me. Do